Hi, Neve. Hi, Darren. How are you? Good. Now, myself and Eve, we thought we were so organised this week. We had to show down to a T everything we were going to talk about. And then we have a breaking story at the time we go to record. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, certainly, first things first, it's great to have Intercounty back and so much going on this week. Uh, Darren, it's brilliant. Yeah, this is the time of the year now we, are, we all look forward to and hopefully... Um, you know, a, a load of, uh, you know, I think we've got 16, 17 uh, games over the week or National League games over the weekend. So we're really looking forward to it. Just in case I forget to give it a mention in a while, it's in the great to see London back. Yes, definitely. So like we, you know, I think about two weeks ago, I said, you know, hopefully London, we talk about divisions um, and, you know, their, 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 their men, <laughs> their men are doing really well of two wins from two over the, the first two weekends of their National League. So, you know, for, for ladies football end of things in London, it'd be great if they got I'm off to win and starts as well. I'm just going to give a quick mention to the Division 4 and Division 3 fixtures for the weekend because we just mightn't get at them later on due to time constraints. Uh, Limerick against London on Sunday at 12 o'clock in Staker Wallace. So London getting the honour of kicking off Division 4. We've Leitrim against Fermanagh in Ballinamore 2 o'clock. Antrim against Derry 2 o'clock in David Park, Belfast and Offaly against Carlow 2 o'clock in Clara. Neva, put the gun to your head. Pick one of those eight teams that are going to be D- Division 4 champions. Oh God, Darren, you're just totally throwing that at me out of the blue. <laughs> I should say London now, just to really throw it. Um, okay, you know, it all I suppose very even teams. You know, all have good spells of, of football played last year. But I, uh, God, I suppose Limerick could probably be the team that would stand out of the of, the, of those eight. So we give Limerick the nod. Limerick get the nod when London win uh, the weekend, which I'll talk to you about that then. <laughs> At least you know the shock question is coming in Division 3. Down against Roscommon, 2 o'clock in Uri, all on Sunday. Sligo against Lau, 2 o'clock IT Sligo Grounds. Wexford against Kildare, 2 o'clock in Shelmalier. And 3 o'clock in Wicklow against Longford in Ockram. Who's going to win Division 3? Yeah, again, uh, it's another tight division. Um, but I suppose on, on Wexford, great run last year. I know they're the poor um, league campaign, but when they got things in and when Lizzie came in, in, in place and it's great to see she's back in place again, um, you know, you'd feel that they've got, they'll get great, gain great confidence from their all earned um, appearance and um, maybe bring it into the league this year. So I give Wexford an odd there. Do you know what? There's a part of me looking at Kildare as well. And good job because one of the featured matches we'll be reporting on this weekend is Wexford against Kildare. We have three games we'll be covering on Sports Dance this weekend. Myself and Neil will tell you about the one we're going to later on in the show. Let's get to news. And I mentioned about a breaking story and we were having a chat off air about this, but uh, the, GP, the Gaelic Players Association has submitted a motion for consideration at GA Congress on the 26th of February, urging the GA to take proactive, meaningful and swift action to expedite integration with the LGFA and the Camogie Association. I'm reading the RTE article at the moment because the GPA haven't integrated with me as you're in sports test, but I'll just read a couple more lines. The players' body said that it is intercounty players' firmly held belief that for equality to be achieved within the Gaelic Games family, integration of the three national governing bodies must be made a priority. The GPA, which combined with its female equivalent, the WGPA, in December 2020, believed that the merger would have a major positive impact on wider Irish society, with 97% of all inter-county players backing integration between the three NGBs. What, now, we're only hearing this news in the last couple of hours at the time we record on a Tuesday night. Neve, what are your first thoughts on that? Um, it's, it's a lot of words, Darren. Um, you know, and I suppose that the, the, the main thing is that, you know, what action is going to happen from it? Um, you know, it all sounds great. Um, you know, I think it, it needs to be, you know, it's not just as simple as, as getting it past the Congress. There's a lot of stuff to be ironed out. Um, and I know, you know, over the years, the LGFA have spoken about it and they know it's something that is definitely you know, it, it will happen, they feel it will happen, but when the time is right and when, when the right um, 
everything is lined up and that, that it's set up for, for doing so. Um, you know, I suppose last night there was a video on, on GPA website um, about equality and you see players, we see people. And it was Ryan Wiley from Monaghan and Lindsay Davey. Um, obviously, uh, Ryan is a radiographer and Lindsay's a fire firewoman. So, I mean, it was great to see that. And, you know, that's little things that you can see, but there's a lot more, you know, for just this coming out in coming into Congress for the 20th of February, I think it's a little bit, um, a little bit sudden, maybe in a sense that just wanting it um, happened to happen sort of overnight. So a lot, of, a lot of discussion to happen before that. Yeah, look, before that. I, think, I think the GPA and you know they have been coming in there and trying to um, highlight equality with their players. You know, even when they do press days and all that as well. And it won't take away from that. In fairness, they are trying to put the female intercounty player out there on the same par as the male intercounty player, which they should be doing, which is their job. And in fairness, they are doing it. At the risk now of what you call it, people, what you call it, um, cursing me now when I say this, I think this is a pure publicity stunt and nothing else. Because how many times have we discussed it on this show and more times probably on the Camogie show, you know, the issues regards these organisations are not up at national level and going put in the Congress at GEA without at least I'm not aware of any discussion being taking place with the LGFA or the Camogie Association on this we do know the Camogie Association have an agreement regarding sponsorship um, advertising with the GEA but the LGFA and we're not LGFA publicists here we've called them out before um, you know seem to be doing okay in their own back and I'd say they'd give some serious consideration of this if this came to them. But at the moment, I don't know if there's a plan to put a motion to their congresses. But I mean, other than that, it's just pure tokenism. Yeah, I think so, Darren, too. And, you know, as you said, it's it's sort of come out of the blue here in the sense that I know it's something that's been sort of fluffed around for, for the last couple of years. And especially when there's any bit of controversy, then everyone's like, why isn't everyone, why isn't LGFA under the one umbrella and the Camogie? Why isn't everything the same? But, you know, it's a lot more different. As you said, like, you know, the LGFA is, you know, over the last couple of years, the sponsorship has been coming in and you can you can understand it's a really growing sport and it's 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 getting stronger and stronger by year year on, year out. And it's getting the big sponsors. So, you know, I suppose if you like on its own, it's doing quite well. But, you know, it just needs to be, as we said, there's a lot, it's not just as simple as as, as a lot of words in that in that motion that they put the Congress. And, you know, there's a lot more stuff um, to be ironed out before that. It's like the old saying goes, if you build a house, you have to have a good foundation. And like, you know, the All-Ireland semi-final in December 2020 aside, because that was a massive cock-up, like, you know, nobody's going to uh, try and defend what happened that day between Cork and Galway. Um, like the biggest issues I've seen, like I didn't see the GPA and I'm not clear to criticise the GPA or be smart about this, but I mean, where were they when the 2020 Camogie clubs were fighting their, their battle last year as well? And maybe it's not their responsibility. Maybe, maybe not. But the biggest issues I find in the relationship between the Camogie Association and the LGFA is normally at local level. Like we have a Nevo Sullivan, an all winner at Mead coming out last year on about semi-finals on the same day. I think Aveen Leahy uh, spoke something as well, like, you know, it's not all going to magically disappear if they join at national level. And before I finish this point, like we've had Rena Buckley reg- regularly on our podcast here before, like the most decorated jewel star of all time, along with Breach Corkery, definitely anyway. And she was humming and hawing when it was mentioned at a national level because we're all in favour of the one club, one model. I think that's brilliant and is rightfully the way it should be and all that. But a lot of ducks need to line up before this happens. And on a day where the LGFA announced a €10 million Euro deal with Little in regards to their league sponsorship. This coming out now, I don't know, I didn't get the press release. You know, I just I, I just feel it's a publicity stunt. Yeah, definitely, Darren. And that's, you know, that was, the, you know, we were just saying about the sponsorship the LGFA have gotten. And obviously, 
you know, first and foremost, TG for uh, TG Cahar and and obviously um, Lidl have been unbelievable. And I mean, the growth in the sport over the last short number of years since Lidl, particularly the last league since they got involved, it's it's grown and, and in strides. And you know, the involvement they, they work with the grassroots too, and in clubs and give massive money to clubs and schools as well. So you know, we're talking here about the GPA working at grassroots levels, and there's a massive sponsor. You know, as you said, given ten million, and they're you know they're working with the grassroots and, and improving you know, that at, at grassroots level. So, you know, yeah, you're using the word publicity stunt. It's certainly the timing of it is, is a bit strange, all right. And, um, you know, as I said, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. And for the come out this, you know, I actually don't know what's going to happen at Congress. Like, you know, if it's forward on, like, I don't even know where it's going to go or how it's going to just... You know, it's not going to all of a sudden happen overnight. So, it, you know, there's a lot well, more discussion to happen. But the thing is, well, and like Liam O'Neill, the former president, and... He said one of his regrets was not bringing them all under the one umbrella. Now, from what I understand, the LGF favoured the ones that didn't play ball at the time. I imagine I don't want to be speaking on behalf of anybody in the Camogie Association, but definitely relations there today, they might be up for this. And that's just speculation on my side too. And look, another thing as well I want to point out, I would fully agree that 90, the 97% of inter-county players want this to happen. And I'd love it for them to happen too, but it has to be right. Like, and if we're having conversations again in a few months' time about clashes between local Camogie and LGFA boards over fixtures and things like that. What, what's the point like? You know what I mean? Because everybody has to have something to gain out of this. Uh, I like, and I think the GA have shown that they're up for this. So this motion, you know, what I mean, you nearly want rather see it go to the LGFA Congress now than than anywhere else first. And that's simply based on what we understand from the previous attempts to make this happen. But it's all over uh, the papers at the moment and all that. But you just said there, Neve. even if 100% vote for this in GA Congress, what do you do? You need all three bodies to agree to this. And all they've agreed to at the moment is working better with each other. And there's been a lot of examples, especially at local level, where that's not happening. No. I suppose that's the starting point is, you know, if you could get a, a, a level playing ground in the sense that all three bodies are working together and, you know, before it comes under the one umbrella and have that in place that you know the, the transition will be seamless then that, that you know, it's, it's already working. So let's just you know, iron out and, and sign on the dotted line to get it all, all sorted out. But, you know, it, it's it's just a strange one to happen as we spoke off air, you know, for it to happen, you know, suppose announced tonight at the last at the last hour and, um, you know, and no real, as, as we are aware, no real um, background done, work done on it. I would have been happy, we leave it at this because there's so much we have to go through, but I would have been happier if this came out, whether it was tonight or any time, saying that emotion had gone to all three Congresses. Camogie, LGFA and GEA, I'd have more faith in this. Now, look, Tom Parsons puts a lot of good work in and others do and again, and maybe, maybe I'm just needlessly feeling the need to, to, to backtrack on what I'm saying because I I'm firmly think it's a publicity stunt. But to see that, I kind of, I, I looked at it and like, we're advocates here for the ladies' Gaelic games, as is Killian too, on the Camogie show and many others that are involved with us here in sports stars. And I'm not buying it. I hope I'm wrong. But I'm not buying it. Yeah, yeah, we hope you are, and you're right. Like if, if you know, I suppose like we we have to assume that the LGFA are aware of it, but maybe they're just aware of it just the same as we are. And the Camogie they just read it like everybody else. Um, but we don't know, and I suppose we don't know the ins and outs of of what's been going on in the background. But either way, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. And you know, they're quoting saying proactive meaning and swift action. Like that's swift action is not something that's going to that can be done in this situation. It definitely can't. So. Sounds like style over substance to me, but we'll see how it all pans out over the next month or so. Well, actually, next few weeks, because we are in February now. I keep forgetting. 
One other announcement, and we mentioned the little 10 million deal, and fair play to everybody involved in that. Great to see money being invested in the game. But another one I'm really, really excited about, Neve, um, the new LGFA streaming service. Um, you know, every game this year will be available. Yes, they're behind the paywall, but in fairness, that's understandable too. Like, you know, any game that's not live in TG Car is going to be live on our laptops or if you connect them to the TV or your phone, whatever the case may be. We can watch every game our county plays this year, regardless where they're going. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant, Darren. And again, you know, the LGFA are, you know, leading the way in this. And, you know, I have to compliment the TG or Lidl as well. You know, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, as you said, over 100 games, you know, the paywall is 50 euro for a season ticket. That is actually pittance, really, for, for the thing you're getting 400. It's 50 cents a game. 100 games. Yeah, it really is. You know, I, I um, you know, Mon and Men were inv- involved with the McKenna Cup there early in January and Bio Sport actually um, showed or had a televised game and with commentary as well. And it was €12 Euro to, 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 for one game in the in McKenna Cup to see Monaghan play. And, you know, there was no season take it or anything. It was €12 Euro for a game. So, I mean, that was for one Monaghan game. And, and yes, I, you know, I it was in January, it's nicer to, to watch it at home than maybe go to those kind of games and but certainly, you know, this is it's fifty euros really is is very, very, very cheap. Um, and you know, it's a great a great service. It's it's brilliant for supporters. It continues on, you know, the, it, as we talked about the growth in the sport, it continues um that I know we've thankfully we've no restrictions at games now, but it just continues that great um, you know, level of, of promotion for the game and you know it's it's brilliant. And as I said, for, for supporters in, out of the country and families and that they can get to watch their their um their their county playing in in games and every game it's it's just phenomenal and it's brilliant. Yeah, I'm just looking here. I want to get the packages up in front. Season pass is fifty euro. You can get a weekend pass for ten euro, which you can watch any game on a particular weekend. Game pass is a fiver, but also too, if you want to watch a game after it's live, you can watch it for just three euro as well. So, like you know, there's there's great deals as well. If somebody doesn't want to pay the fifty for all year, you only want to follow your own county, and maybe you go to the games you want to watch them afterwards. Or like as others and other podcasts will say, the price of a pint is the price of a glass. You know, I mean, it's a fantastic service. As well over a hundred games, and you know, I'd say a lot of people will get into this as well because we've talked about the growth of the game at the moment. Sure, these athletes now are superstars uh, around the country, and you know, this like this just like we take all the different streaming services that are out there. Like fair play to the LGFA now; they've really put the boot down and shown their GA counterparts there. I'm stirring pots again for previous conversations, or not? <laughs> but they have though. Yeah, they really have, Darren, and you know, and I think it's even great for. You know, for for video analysis now, like you know, if you're a team, you're going to meet in the championship. You can see every game they've played. You can, you know, you can have your your video analysis done and all this. So, you know, before this, you wouldn't have had that 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 luxury, and you wouldn't have had that access to the to the to the video of their games. So, you know, for that as well, it, it's even great for management teams and 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 their video analysis. But yeah, a brilliant a brilliant service, and it's as I said, it's continuing to raise the profile of the game. We'll be talking about many of the games to look forward to in the third part of the show today. Sports Stats Football will be done in three parts. Just as we're about to finish up the first part of the show, I want to give a shout out to the West Grove Hotel in Clane. I stopped off there coming back from Balting Das last Saturday. Well looked after. I was able to get work done. Had a good bite to eat as well. And I say, there's, there's no sponsorship here or anything. I just generally, <laughs> if somebody, if somebody's nice, like I was there for three hours, like, you know what I mean? And staff were absolutely brilliant. Let me get on with what I needed to do. I got to watch a bit of rugby as well and all that. And a bit of Gaelic football too with Kerry in Dublin. And I just want to give a shout out to the West Grove Hotel in Clane, to all the staff. Thank you very much for looking after me. And we definitely, sports stars will be stopping off again in the near future because we we're well looked after. 
Very good. <laughs> so that's it for the first part of the show. Of course, there's plenty more to go through. We've a lot to talk about in the second part of the show. We're going to look back at last weekend and we're going to look back at the All Ireland Club Football Finals. The Dublin Double it was. Uh, Nave Jude from Dublin winning the junior title against Mullinahone. And we'll be zoning in on the game in Ballinasloe Slow between St. Sylvester's and Castlebar Mitchells. And that's coming up in a moment. I like listening to Sports Dad because he has famous celebrities and I guess listen to him. Darren Kelly. So welcome back to Sports Stars Football. I'm Darren Kelly, joined by Neve Kenlan. Neve, I said it before the break, a Dublin double. Great celebrations in the capital. Yeah, there really was, Darren. And we I suppose we talked last week at the potential and you know, again, the growth of the of the sport in, in the city, um, you know, and it's continuing to do so. And I mean, you know, two I suppose two deserving wins um and both are both both games were kind of uh, you know, different in, in their own way. Um, you know, obviously two points in one and, and seven in, in the difference in, in the other in the junior final. But yeah, both teams deserve enough the wins. Yeah, we're going to zone in the intermediate final in a moment. Just a quick word or two on the junior final, as you mentioned. Uh, very, very entertaining game. Very, very cold in Bolton Das, but it didn't spoil the atmosphere. I only really felt the cold when everybody dispersed at the end. Mullinahone had the wins in the first half. A goal after 28 seconds from Ava O'Shea. Uh, they went one three to no score up, but then St. Jude's running game finally got on top. They got the three goals. Quiva McGrath, the Waterford player, back in the setup, having a big impact. Aoife Keys, who got an injury, the Captain got a goal as well, and uh, I um, actually Gannon was another goal too. And they had a six-point buffer at halftime, and a lead that really was never under any serious threat to be taken away from them. No, once they got the, you know, I suppose as you said, you know, the Mullinahone got the dream start, but you know, I suppose once once Jude settled in, and those three goals definitely was a difference all the way through. You know, as much Mullinahone did try and keep pressure on, and they, but they just were, you know, I suppose they tr- struggled with scores. They only had three different scores over the course of the game. Um, you know, and their chances, a few late chances, maybe, you know, I suppose towards the end, they were trying to get that goal and it just, it, it eluded them. And, you know, I suppose um, Jude's held out then with the, to get the win. Yeah, as you mentioned, the goal chances at the end, but it just wouldn't come for them. And like we said it on last week's show too, like often the perception about Dublin when we look at their, what they've achieved at inter-county level, but we're dealing with two communities here as well. And I could say exactly the same stuff for everybody in St. Sylvester's when we get to it in a moment. But I was talking to even Keith's grandfather coming in too, and just the excitement in his voice. Like he was a founding member of the club. I think it was back in 1978 or something. I remember because it was the year I was born, I think it was said. Uh, Jeff Kane afterwards, like we have reaction up in sports stats at the moment from uh, Jeff Kane and from Aoife Keyes and just listen to Jeff Kane's interview alone and it was a difficult week for the club too they lost a member of their coaching team as well who passed away too so it was a tough week for them as well but how much you mentioned even take Aoife Keyes there and she said to me like as I mentioned it was bitter cold in Balsing Glass and uh, at the end of the game and waiting to do a piece with Aoife and she's just in a t-shirt there as well carrying an injury now I'm well wrapped up with about three or four layers of clothing on me cap, scarf, gloves the whole lot and I apologise for keeping around. And she goes, man, I could stand here all day. I just want to soak this up. You know, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. And it doesn't matter if you're Dublin, you're Tipperary, Galway, Monaghan, whatever. That's what it's all about, to enjoy a day like this because it doesn't come around every day. Indeed, it might only come around once in a lifetime. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, as you said, the, the community, you know, the community of, of Jude's, you know, the, the the parish and everything, like really got behind it and the crowds out. And, you know, that was a lovely story about, about Aoife's um, granddad too, you know, and he was the founding member and, you know, he was the joy and from young to old. Like, and I think that was, even I, I saw a bit of a clip of video of the, the countdown the last couple of seconds um, of the crowd and the countdown happening. And again, you know, the, the beauty of the countdown clock when you're winning, it's such a, such a fabulous feeling. <laughs> 
um, you know, and to see the crowd and knowing that, you know, that's it, that, that they have it. And it's just a lovely feeling. And, you know, it's great for the area and great for St. Jude's. And obviously, um, you know, it's, it's supposed to set them up for, you know, playing inter- intermediate football next year in Dublin. And, you know, um, there's some great players. And I mean, obviously you mentioned, but there's seven different scorers over the course of the game. And, you know, Ellie Young, I think she's only, is she 18, 19 years she's, of age? But yeah, she's still teenager. Yeah, scored six points. And I mean, I think we have to take especially of that pass to give in to Ashton Gannon for the third goal. I mean, geez, it was just sublime. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just the time, you know, it was just such a brilliant pass. Um, and, you know, so they're, they're a young side as well. And, you, you know, I watch out because definitely we're going to see some of them players um, involved with Dublin setup. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt as well. And just before we leave it too, we have to give a shout out to Mullen O'Hone. Great interview with Paul Kelly afterwards, putting us all in perspective. Like, look, you can make an argument. One or two refereeing decisions didn't go their way too. Definitely wasn't the difference in the match. And I won't harp on that, but I knew they were frustrated with one or two. But small rural parish, this was to get here was beyond their wildest dreams as well. They got to the perfect start, just went away from them. Um, you know, disappointing day at the office, but they'll take great memories of what they've achieved this year. No, they will surely, Darren. And I mean, as you said, and some like again, and I think that's the lovely thing about club football, and you know, across the board, the lovely stories that come out. And you know, we, we talked about um, Aoife's da- uh, granddad, but also the story of the O'Shea sisters. And um, you know, the mom had you know won the first All Ireland Mary O'Shea back in in forty eight years ago, and what a great story that was, and what a great story that would have been if if they had been on the winning end of it. But you know, as you said, they they won't be strangers, um, you know, and I'm sure. Um, There'll be girls that'll be stepping up to the temporary panel this year as well. I think there's three Mullen Home players in the panel. I don't have the list in front of me at the moment, but I do recall seeing three Mullen Home players named in the panel for Tipperary. And we'll get to see them as well, carrying Tipperary on this weekend. The game also we're focusing on sports dance too. But let's go to Sunday's game. The game we're going to zone in for the next five to ten minutes. Uh, Castlebar Mitchells against St. Sylvester's. Uh, look, it's a low scoring game. People would just assume it was a dull contest. I can guarantee I was there. It was in the middle of the day. Defences dominated uh, and worked very, very hard too. Tough physical battle but St. Sylvester's did enough to get the job done and that that was the case you know I suppose it was it it was a sort of a wee bit like when I don't play chess but like you know it was kind of you know a game of, of pieces where there was there was sections where where some teams dominated and then you know you know defense dominated at times and some sometimes the, the attack it dominated um, and a toed and froed as you said a low scoring game you know one three three points at half time Played in, you know, you probably can relate to it better, but slippery kind of conditions. Um, the wind probably had a, a part in it, but maybe not. It didn't have a major issue in the game. Um, and I suppose just that bit of, um, you know, we talked last week about the, I suppose, the strength and depth of Sylvester's team. And I suppose that just little bit of, of you know, I suppose Sinead Heron class and, and you know, Kate Sullivan had the ball in the net after 20 seconds. What a dream start they had. So, you know, um, but, you know, compliments to Castle Bar because they really never give up to the, to the very dying minutes. I have to correct one thing first, Kate Sullivan actually, because it was issues with the clock. I think the clock started prematurely at the game. Kate Sullivan actually had the ball in the net in ten seconds, even though the clock was actually shown nearly twenty-two. But um, as you mentioned there, like I'm being a I'm, been a, a winning championship winning chess coach myself. I love tactical battles too. But uh, <laughs> I was actually watching the game with Ashley Cleary and Jackie Cal. Uh, blessed to watch it with themselves too. And I was cursing St. Sylvester's tactics in the first half because it was a strong wind blowing towards the town goal in Banlaslow, as I would call it. And they had it. And they'd Louise Wine back playing the sweeper role that she would normally play throughout the campaign. Now, who am I to question Anthony Cook about what he's achieved and why he got out of this team? But 
Like they went one three to no score up. Kate Sullivan with that goal. Um, Sinead Hearn a couple of frees. Nicole Owens also with a point two. But they didn't add anything else. And after the first two scores in the opening two minutes, they didn't score from play. Like at half time in this game, Neve. We were convinced the Casabar Mitchells were going to win this match. They were back to three, po- three points. They had the wind in the second half. And tactically, I felt St. Sylvester's got it wrong in the first 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah, that, that, and again, you know, I suppose watching, um, watching, it was hard to, to judge. And at times you, you were watching the flags, and then in the next minute, you think they were going a different way. So I suppose it was quite hard to judge that, um, unless you were at the venue. But yeah, you know, yeah, it's very defensive. But I suppose it's the, it's the game. You know, you find that with teams that, you know, if they played in one way, you know, all year and they've gotten themselves that far, they don't want to change their winning ways, if you like. And, you know, they don't, I suppose, change with, with the tactics or with the, with the conditions, I suppose, and they didn't really do that. But you know, I suppose they they, they held out, and and <laughs> um, the I suppose the tactics in their head worked worked when it when at the end. Yeah. yeah, and it did too. And like, and, and of course, I have to like acknowledge it was the first time I watched them in the flesh this year. And as you said, they're working through a campaign as well. And why change a winning habit? But I was concerned at half time because Castlebar obviously they were chasing the game at the start. They had to work their way back into it. Gradually, they started winning a few battles. Catherine Sullivan, I thought, was tremendous around the middle of the field. Uh, an excellent kick from Gwania Flynn to get their first score. And then there was, I think it was Catherine Sullivan got a point from Gwania Flynn uh, pass and Flynn again with a free to bring it back to a three point ball game. But this came down to hard work but as I mentioned we all thought Castle Bar were red hot favourites to win this like they're your best in the Mayo team in the North Ireland final uh, they got back level eventually but geez, they made hard work for it and that's again credit to, to the St. Sylvester's defenders Yeah definitely so and I mean um, you know their, 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 their defence as, as a whole and in particular obviously Danielle Danielle Lawless you know played a captain's part and got player of the match and deservedly so she really you know she really was I suppose the thorn in their side and I mean she she commanded the whole the whole defence and and really played as we said a captain's role, um you know and some great great individual performances. I mean, you know as he's mentioned, you know you're right. Catherine Sullivan had a great game. You know obviously a, a a pretty poor start in the sense in the first couple of seconds, but she really settled into the game. And you know any other type of player would have dropped their heads after you know the you know Kate Sullivan getting the goal so early on. But you know they definitely I I thought the you know over the course of the game midfield was quite even, but. Definitely, um, Sylvester's defence in the second half put the pressure on, and, and you know, Castlebar. It sort of frustrated Castlebar then, you know, I suppose in the end because they just couldn't get the scores then. There was a lot of contenders too, like the debate with honourable player of the match too, like Lisa Murphy. I was a big fan of her performance, especially in the first half. Kim White really came into it in the second half too. Clean of Fitzpatrick, a few blockdowns. Kate Sullivan consistent on an awful lot of ball over the course of the game as well. But Danielle Lawless was like the one consistent from minute one to minute sixty. Never, I think probably can't one mistake she might have made in the whole match, spilling the slippy ball maybe, and that was it. Like you know, and uh, tremendous too because even she spoke in her speech afterwards, and I put it to her uh, when we. We did the post-match interview also in sports stats. Like she would fallen out of love with the game a couple of years ago. Like she's only twenty-two years of age, and the, the group united again during COVID. Like you know, and when they got the chance to get back out, and it's a great story too because we often talk about losing, especially club players losing them for a variety of different reasons as well. And Danielle is a player that she might have missed it herself. You know, might have walked away from the game, and here she is now an All Ireland winning captain. Yeah, and it, it that's great inspiration. And you know, we we talked last week about Sylvester, the young people in the in the in the club that's supporting them. And again, they're there and they're in their no, massive numbers again. Um, at the if weekend. I could just but, cut in for a second, even if, if there was a if we were having a prize for fans of the year, 
you know, here in sports, I said, who knows, maybe we might later <laughs> in the year. It's going to take some beating the St. Sylvester's uh, team as well, because there was a scrapbook before the semi-final. There was a shoebox for every individual player, you know, before the final as well. Like, it's just, at least young children, like, this is just a remarkable story. Like, you know, if we, we, we think this is remarkable if it was happening with an inter-county team, but, like, they're going to inspire football in Malahide for the next generation, and it's just brilliant to watch, like. It is, and it is, and that's, I suppose, and it's a compliment, as you said, they're children, but I mean, there's obviously someone behind that, whether it be the coaches or parents or whoever has, you know, put this together and decided that this is what they should do. And, it, you know, it is, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. And, you know, you know, as you just mentioned Danielle's story there, you know, you know, that's the kind of a story that you want to, those young players want to aspire to. As we said, you know, obviously they have Nicole Owens and they have the Sinead Hearns, but it's players like that, the grassroots, the, you know, the player that's, almost give it up and is back and now look where she is, you know, like you know, what she is getting picking up a player of the match and and, and the cup in as as or on behalf of the team. So it's those kind of stories. And you're right, I mean, uh, Malahide, the crowds that showed up after them and you know, watching them walking across the bridge in Malahide, like there was hundreds of people there the other night. And you know, that's brilliant. And I mean it's great for, you know, we talked last week too about the, you know, sometimes in the cities there's so many other um, distractions and so many other sports that children could be at but I mean it's in Sylvester's and in St Jude's the, the crowd and the young people that involved and it'll just that'll just aspire a, a nation Yeah I have to say like in the stand on Sunday it reminded me of when I was a child growing up in Ballinasloe the atmosphere in the place now the weather was a bit inclement at the start so a lot of people were packing into the main stand as well and we had to shut the stand down in Duggan Park and say about 20 minutes before throw in too like but thankfully the weather said good for the game itself even if it felt to the effects on the Castlebar side of things like they had a great story too forming the club 20 years ago and you had four or five players there from the very start even as underage players and they'll feel they left this one behind because I think they kicked five second half wides, many in that final quarter again, complimenting the things that the events were making it hard, but when they got themselves back level after Neve Hughes got a couple of scores in Grania Flynn again with a point to make it seven points to 1-4, they would have felt they should have gotten over the line and got this job done. Yeah, definitely so. And, you know, I suppose... um you know, as much as they, they obviously did did some work in the last couple of weeks from their from their semi final, like you know, we have to remember they kicked seventeen wides and were lucky to come out with the win, a goal win over Castle Island in the semi final. So, you know, again, you know, unfortunately the wides came against them um, again on, on on Sunday, and you know, Sylvester's just got the scores when they needed them, um, and, and you know, obviously those two late or two vital scores at the end, it was the difference in the two teams. But you know, as you said, Castlebar will be very. You know, the look back, I know as much as it's frustrating and have a lot of regrets, they had a brilliant year as well. And it's great. As you said, the club has only formed in 20 years. And, you know, um, it, it'll again, it'll aspire more clubs. I suppose Karna Khan have been the standout club in, in Monaghan or in Surrey and Mayo at senior level for, for years. And, you know, there's no, come, no other clubs have really been coming close. So it's great for, for Castlebar and it's great for the Castlebar town. Again, another town that could be, you know, have loads of other distractions and loads of stuff, but it'll give a great buzz and a great lift to the ladies' couple in, in the parish. In the Mayo Senior Championship already looking appealing next year after Knockmore's breakthrough this year. Other contenders in Mayo, Carnegie Hall will be there, thereabouts. Now you're throwing Castlebar Mitchells. We haven't even mentioned Sinead Hearn yet. Now, it wasn't level I hold Sinead Hearn, where she was still one of the best players in the pitch, even if it wasn't her best, uh, most influential display. That's 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 what I'm trying to say. She set up Nicole Owens for a point earlier on. She got two important frees. Missed one or two that she wouldn't miss normally, but then again, you could take the conditions. Finished off an excellent score in 34 minutes to involve Louise Wine and Sophie McLean, but also won the free on 52 minutes to put St. Sylvester's back ahead and converted. It was a pressure free and ultimately probably proved to be the winning score. 
Yeah, that was, and I mean, that's that's what we know of Sinead Heron, like, you know, those pressure pressure kicks. You know, we've seen them in so many times, you know, her doing it for Dublin at the vital stages. And I mean, that was the thing. She she won the free. She took the game with the scruff of the neck in the sense it was, it was a draw match at the time. They needed something, something inspiring and she's the one to do it. And, you know, obviously kicked the, kicked the inversion as well. And then, Obviously, then Neve Harney finished with the with the, the final point then, which was fine point, a, a really really great, well well work well work point as well. And you know, as you said, Sinead Heron, what a what a record! I mean, no one knows what our plans is for for the year, and no one's as we said. We hope there's loads more years in our um with the Dublin jersey and with Sylvester's, but you know, five All Irelands, thirteen Leinsters, four National Football League, seven All Stars, and now to finish um an intermediate All Ireland final. So what what a, a career she's had and. As we said, we hope it's not over. And she'll probably tell you the highlight was in Duggan Park Ballastow last Sunday. It probably was, and I mean that's what we we've, we've said before. And you know, we didn't even mention Neve McAvoy didn't didn't um, you know didn't get get wasn't a part of it really. Um, I, you know, the last couple of games. So you know, it, it's we saw Neve in the Leinster final you know, come to tears at how happy she was at you know them winning the Leinster final. And I mean, you imagine now to, to be two games further on and now all Ireland champions. So it's it's a brilliant it's brilliant for for the area and brilliant for Malahide. Well done, St. Sylvester's and to Nave Jude, and of course, hard luck to Castlebar Mitchells and Mullinahone. There's always a sadness, a little bit of a tinge of sadness when the club season comes to an end. We finally packed 2021 leave and put it away now on the 6th of February. But it's memories like this. Look, uh, County making a big breakthrough will rival it later in the year, should that happen as well. But we've had a lot of positive talking points to take out the club championship coverage. We have, Darren. And I mean, you know, I suppose, uh, you know, we've, of, of the three champions, we have Galway and two Dublin teams, and you know it, it has been with some really brilliant games. And you know, you know, as we said, breakthroughs. Obviously, Dunboyne winning the first Leinster, and you know, um, so Karen, as you mentioned, Knockmore um, beating Karen O'Conn and and Knockmore being involved in the in the, in the Connacht Championship for the first time in, in ever as well. So you know, definitely great, great, um, great stories over the course of the thing, uh, over the course of the of the year or the, the long year, I suppose it was really. And you know, normally. Uh, in normal circumstances, the, the All Ireland Club All Ireland will be play, finished before Christmas, and I suppose it it give um it give teams that wee bit longer to to train together, and it brings them nicely into the the new year. Hard to believe to be all back at it again six months time, isn't it? <laughs> it's crazy that there's no break at all. But sure, you know that's why we're playing it, and I mean that's why I suppose that's why we love football, and that's why it, it's I think it's something nice to be said, and I think me as someone that's retired now. You know, I think it, the, keep playing it and, and keep at it as long as you're able to and uh, you sit back and retire happy then. Well, certainly as well. And we look forward to more of those memories again in the near future. That's it for the second part of the show. We'll be back in just a couple of moments. And we're going to look ahead to the start of the Little Ladies National Football League. Disappointment, the club is over. Yes, we are. We love when the inter-county starts and plenty to talk about. We do the best we can to get it all in over the next 15 minutes or so. I like listening sports says because... I like to listen to Ladies Football and Ladies Camogie. So welcome back here to Sports Stats Football. I'm Darren Kelly, joined by Neve Kendall. And Neve, here it is. I'm just putting this up here in front of me and we'll tear into this. Now, we are going to zone in on the Galway Donegal game. That's the live match on TG Carr on Saturday night when we get to it. But what we've decided we'll do here is we'll go through the Division 1 games individually first. We'll quickly run through Division 2 because we haven't mentioned that later, um, earlier on. And we might have an old prediction each and who we think will win those two respective divisions. So, Neve, uh, let's kick off and a game that could easily have meant the live TV coverage too in Park Talteen on Saturday. This is a rematch that the whole country is waiting for. Mead against Cork. It's on its own. 
So I'd say a lot of eyes will be glued to the streaming service for this. Um, big year for Mead, All-Ireland champions. Uh, Cork team determined to make a point as well and massive potential in this contest. Yeah, um, definitely. It's a, it's, a, it's a big game. It's the first time Mead have been up um, playing Division 1 football, I think, since 20, I think 2014, if I'm not mistaken. And even... At that, they weren't really competing at, at Division One. I. I think they were, you know, way down the bottom of the of the division. So, yeah, um, it's a big year for them. I, I heard Monica McGurk being interviewed there earlier, and you know, she's this is their first. This is what they want. You know, they want to be playing Division One football, and this is where they want to be. And where better? Who better to to be playing against? Only the 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 record um, National League holders. Yeah, as well. And the game is in Port Talton, so I've no doubt it's going to be a cracking atmosphere as well. And Mead will want to get off to a winning start too. Regards Mead, where where do you think they are? Like this is a big year for them. It's the second season thing. They're going to know they're the hunted. They're not chasing anymore. As you mentioned there, they haven't been in Division One since fourteen. I think they were playing Division Three football three years ago. You know, so and the COVID would have slowed down one of those years as well. So like there's like, gonna be a lot of pressure in this team this year. And of course it's hard to know whether Emma Duggan and Vicky Wallerback get. Yeah, that's I suppose pressure is the big thing, and it's how Eamon Murray and his backroom ta- um, backroom team can can get them sort of grounded, I suppose, and and settled into. Um, I suppose the only thing is that it, you know they realise that as much as they're the team to watch, this is league football. They want to be there. They want it. They know they need a good start. And um, you know, and as we talked already, the fact there's only four teams. You know, if you lose your first match, you're already sort of, you know, I suppose that there's only one team um, qualifies from each group. So you're sort of already on the on the spot on the back foot, if you like. So they're going to have to, um, you know, they have to get into a good start. I suppose home venue, it's brilliant to see it in the, in the Mead County grounds of Navan. And, you know, it is a big ask, but I, I think the, that that Mead team will really relish this and really, um, I suppose they'll be looking up and, and I mean, Cork have the, have the travel to make, um, but they'll be looking at this um, as being their stepping stone in Division 1 football. But also with Cork, it's a very hungry Cork and a very hungry Shane Renane as well. Like, you know, Cork, like three, two minutes to go, they, everyone assumed Cork were going into the All-Ireland final. A lot of what-ifs there as well. And we've mentioned about Shane before, this is the man that left the men's job because this is the job he always wanted, you know. He, um, he won't be under as much pressure in year one, understandably, but he'll want to make a serious impact in the league is a good way for Cork to do that. Oh, definitely so. And I mean, you know, and, and, and Cork have always been a brilliant league team. So they've always, you know, stepped up to the plate for every game. So, yeah, Shane Roland, it's, you know, he's, he's, he's in position where he wants. Obviously, he'll have to put his, his disappointment with Moran Abbey um, aside um, that lost two weeks ago. And, you know, he's, he's obviously been back with the team and been involved um, in some way. Maybe, you know, he's obviously, you know, his, his ties with Moran Abbey was obviously um, distracting him slightly for the last couple of weeks. But at the same time, as you said, this is the job he wants. Um, and he'd be looking to make a good start and, and you know, maybe um, a wee bit of revenge on, on Mead after the, the, the All-Ireland semi-final last year. That's on Saturday in Port Talcine at one thirty. We'll just go to Sunday for a moment, the other game in, in that group, the Guinness League, two groups of four. Now, Neve, just a quick one on that. I think we're both fans of the eight teams all play all. I think just this year with the club championship catch-up, the LGF are leaving it in place this year. So there is a cup style World Cup style feel to it too, but uh, hopefully this is the last year two groups of four because it's just so much pressure as well. Exciting for the viewers, exciting for us as pundits, but I mean probably a lot of pressure on the players in general. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure on it. I mean, as I said, you know, you one loss and you're kind of you know you're playing catch up, and I, I think league, you know, when you have seven games, it, it means that you know you can sort of, I suppose, uh, you know, and for, especially for a lot of new managers, I've just gone through the list. There's a lot of new managers in place, and 
across all the grades. And I mean, you know, for them to learn who their players are, they need to get playing them in competitive matches. And, you know, you need the, the six or seven games to try and get players into a way of playing. So, you know, the four games and you're kind of up against it and you're looking at relegation as well. So, yeah, or sorry, three games. So, uh, or four groups, three games. So, yeah, it is, um, they'll be up against it. But um, I'm probably just a wee bit disappointed. I understand the reason for the four teams. It's just a pity they didn't swap it around a wee bit from last year. Um, you know, I just think that it's a pity the same teams meet Cork and um, Dublin Waterford in the same group again this year. Yeah, I think the restrictions were still on at the time when they made those decisions. But I do agree with you. It'd be nice to mix it up a little bit when we don't have them now. Well, poor Waterford, though. Like, they're in the group of debt for themselves. Like, they're two o'clock on Sunday in Farfield to take on Dublin. But just before we talk about that, we know Waterford are, are competitive and are well capable of pulling off a big result, too. But, like, they're, they're again, like last year, they're all going to be about trying to survive in Division 1. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And I mean, you know, they got a rude awakening in, in, in round one last year against Dublin, um, 6.15 to 2.11. So, you know, yeah, they, they'll need to get, you know, I suppose they'll be hoping that um, maybe the maybe the, the, the full Dublin team aren't back. You know, you'd imagine Sinead and Nicole and them, the, the Sylvester girls and maybe the Jude's girls aren't fully back yet or won't be back for this weekend. But still in all, the pick that Dublin have and the players in their calibre are still going to be, um, even a Dublin B team will still be very strong. So, um yeah, Waterford's going to be really up against it. I suppose home venue is a bit of an advantage. Um, they've had good good enough games, um, good enough tussles with Dublin down in Farfield, but still um, they'll be under pressure. They'll be under serious pressure as well. Dublin, their league record before last year, never anything to shout home about, but they enjoyed this cup-style competition as well, and they won the league last year too. They've lost their All-Ireland title since. You know, they're not going to be lacking for motivation. No, definitely not. And, you know, they, I mean, Dublin... Like like their counterparts like to be on top all the time, and <laughs> if they're following their men in their men's uh, things, they'll be sitting at the bottom of the league like the men are. But anyway, yeah, it's going to be. Um, they want they want to get back up and win ways, and I mean they'll probably be looking at you know Mead and Cork being the tough matches, and that Waterford they need to start start on a good and might might see the Waterford game as being the easier of the other two. So um, they'll be looking at um, getting a result and um, result and starting their league on a, on, a, on the right foot. Dublin favourites in that game. I'm assuming Dublin is a prediction in that game. Who do you think will win between Mead and Cork? Um, I actually think I think it's going to be. I'm going to sit on the fence here now, but I'm going to think. I think it's actually going to be much closer. We saw them in the in the league last year. Um, I think there was only um, two points in it, three points in it. I actually just probably wrote the score down. I don't actually have it in front of me, but it was a very close game. So yeah, um, I think it's going to be another close game in the sense in in the league. I think it's going to be very little in it, but I actually think Cork's going to come out on top by a point or two. Cork by a point or two I haven't actually checked and I should have checked so my apologies and hope this ridiculous extra time thing isn't going to happen again in the league this year but you will find out after the weekend no doubt out of the 16 games one of them is going to be close let's look at the other group the Connacht Ulster group I suppose we call it including Westmead but Mayo against Westmead now from what I understand a bit of history there I think this has been played in the Connacht GEA Airdome so this will be an indoor match now I'm not 100% certain on that but I believe it is happening in the Airdome in Bacon so a bit of history already for the footballers of Mayo and Westmead yeah, it's brilliant, and I am actually very jealous um, of that too, Darren. Because I've I watched the in the FBD league, uh, I watched Roscommon and Sligo Roscommon and Galway. On, I think it was on RT one the nights there. And after I watched it, I was just blown away by the dome. And I've done a load of research on what it looks like and what was involved in, in building it. So it is, um, I you know, it is a phenomenal. Um, you know, the stadium to have in in Connacht and, you know, well done to the, all involved in getting it set up. But yeah, so it's great to have the game there and it's great that the the, the ladies football is getting an opportunity to play on it. And um, yeah, this is going to be, uh, I suppose, 
suppose it's it's going to be the, the elements and the the weather and the the wonderfulness not going to be an option and not going to be a problem here. You're going to have two teams. It'll be like a summer match in a sense because um, a championship match in a sense because the ground's going to be fast, the ball's going to be fast. Um, obviously, these two teams met last year in round one. Uh, Mayo had a massive win, four eighteen to six points. Um, I don't feel Westmead are going to be. I don't feel they're going to be as as bad as they were in that game last year. To be honest, I think they're going to. Um, it'll be a, a closer game, but I suppose it's 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 looking like a Mayo win. Yeah, Mayo this year, second year from Michael Moyles. Now he cast a net out an awful lot last year, trying to find his best mix and best players. Obviously, he has to bring that in a bit this year as well. Um, what's a good year for Mayo? Um, well, I suppose uh, you know, top the top their division. I'd imagine in the league um, would be a start. So that would put them into a final, and you know, then they're going to have to start getting back up on on. Um, you know, I, I presume there's a Connacht championship this year, so uh, you know, winning a Connacht and just getting back up. I mean, they've had. You know, I suppose Galway being the most notably and um, their their biggest rivals in in Connacht, they, they've had plenty of tussles with them, but they just didn't seem to don't have the I suppose the bragging rights there over the last couple of years. And you know, as you said, Michael Miles have really changed the panel. Um, you know, obviously he's to he's to at the moment he has to uh, uh, make his team without Rachel Kearns and the, the Kellys. Um, so they're away, obviously, but he's still got great strength and depth in the in the Cafferties and Tamara O'Connor and Shauna Howley, all nominated for All Stars last year. Fiona McHale's experience is back. The only Carnacon player actually in the panel that in the panel that was um, named there during the week on the Facebook page. So yeah, and then obviously the Castlebar Mitchell girls. I don't know if they'll be around at the weekend, but um, yeah. So I mean, I suppose notably first and foremost, he want to be finishing top of his group. Westmead survived against the odds last year in Division 1 um, and then they went on and win the All-Ireland Intermediate Championship new management uh, but again their targets even based on the score you said there from last year's fixture is about surviving in this division Yeah they're, they're again um, will be I suppose they'll be the team the, the team uh, sort of looking at the at the group they'll be the team that the teams will be looking at the, they'll be as you said trying to fight relegation um, you know obviously a great uh, lift for any team to win, to win the Intermediate All-Ireland but they need to just build on that now um, you know again I worry about new management's coming in it, it's it's such a, a tight league that he won't get an opportunity to see all his games grand I'm sure they've had loads of challenge matches over the last couple of weeks but they're not the same uh, you know you're not getting the same intensity as you would in, in a league game so you know I, um, I suppose it, for Westmead's sake you hope they don't get a rude awake and you hope it's a close game for their sake and, and um, I suppose uh, uh You'll be looking at a closer game than, than what happened last year. The results last year. I think they'll need a two as a senior team this year too. They can't be affording to get hockey, I suppose, is a fair way of putting some of the results they had in the league last year. Let's go into our featured match now. As I said at the start, we're zoning in and go with Donegal. It's quite simply, need we can all these stats in front of us from 2021. They'll go out the window at half seven in Bally Buffet and start night because managements will have different ideas. And of course, we look at the Galway side of things first. We talked about them an awful lot. They don't have a manager. Now, we do understand that Manus Pranik, Fiona Wynn and Declan Byrne are coaching the team and will be involved in selecting the team. They don't have their current Tom Byrne players, uh, which interestingly enough, I was doing some research. Um, Oh, with the 7.32 that Galway scored in the championship last year, I think Kilkern Glenburn players got 5.16 of it. So over half their scores missing in that as well. But on the other side of things too, there's probably no pressure based on everything they've gone through too and the fact that they're going to Bally Buffet. Yeah, I suppose that's, that is it. Um, 
Yeah, uh, you know, I suppose we talked a lot about Galway over the last few few um, sessions because of the fact that um, Jerry walked away. Um, we're still no, none the wiser as to what happened on that. Um, it's good to have you know someone um, interim people in place that's trained the team and taken the team because um, you don't want to see any any situation where where there's you know a team with with no management or the team in, in disarray or have to throw a match around that. So we're glad to see that happening. The game is going ahead. Um, again, great to see it's in Ballybuffet, the county Donegal, um, the Donegal County Ground. So again, that's I'm delighted to see that. Um, yeah, these two teams obviously met last year in in the first league game in June, and Donegal won a four twenty one to two ten. Um, so it was a, a big win for Donegal, and then again they met later on in the championship a month later, and Galway came out on top by by four points, so or two points. Um, so yeah, it's it's a tough, it's hard to know. I mean, you'd have to look at the fact that Kilcar and Tom Byrne players are missing. You'd have to look like it's that that's a big that's a big hole and you just talked about the scores there. That's a big a big hole in the Galway side. Um and it's it's leaving it up for, you know, I suppose I suppose other players to step up, but um, you know, is it is it a step too far for them? Saying that too as well, and of course, when you take that championship match, there was a two-minute spell where Galway got three goals and Ailish Morrissey got two of them and Nicola Ward the other as well, and they won't be involved in the game on Saturday. But Goey last year had injuries to Roshin and Tracy Leonard as well, and they're two key players. And from our understanding, they're back involved as well and raring to go too. And Galway, especially in this game and the Mayo game, which I, I from my understanding, Kieran Clumburn will be missing for those two games, be back for the Westmead match in March. They're going to lean an awful lot on these two because they need to pick up at least one win from the two matches if they have any chance of making the semi-final. Yeah, yeah, they do. And I mean, you know, as we, we keep saying, the, the fact that it's so com, com, concise, the, the league, you know, first game out, they, they need to get wins. And um, I I suppose the pressure is on them to go up to Bally Buffet and get a win. I think it'll be my step too far. But, you know, I suppose the the, the rivalry in, in, in round two against Mayo, they, they'd hope that gets something out of it. But, you know, I'm not writing them off. I mean, uh, Donegal, you have to look at, at where they're coming from. Um, Presumably, Karen Karen Guthrie and Jerry McLaughlin, and obviously Jerry won her first All Star last year. And um, you'd hope that she's back up at at, at this at the level she she finished on at the end of the year last year. And um, you know, Katie Heron has been a top midfielder for for Donegal for the last couple of years. So you know, you just feel on paper and looking at the players that Donegal have to their uh, have on on their on their sheet and the players that Galway are missing. You just find it it, it might be just a step too far for them. I do agree with you. I think Donegal win the game. And I've actually written that in local paper in Galway. So, you know, that's that my prediction for that. But when we say all that, like the funny part is here, when you look, uh, go towards Donegal, like in regard Galway situation, you have big concerns for Galway going forward this year. But there could be one result away from being liberated. Donegal have an awful lot of uncertainties too. Like there was confusion whether Maxi Kern was staying on, was he not? The job had been advertised, let's not forget. But secondly, if you look at the attack, like Jordy McLaughlin getting a long overdue all-star, should have gotten it years ago, finally gotten it. But I was looking at their championship stats from last year. There only five different scores over the three matches. And Jordy McLaughlin scored 222, 10 points more than the other four players combined. God, that doesn't make good reading. Um, and I actually think midfield or Katie Heron scored 3 1 or something. And the other, other thing as well, Neve, if I jump in, and you called out the All Stars Committee on this because, like, when you look at the stance of Katie Heron, she was hands down the best midfielder in the country last year. She scored a goal in each match, 3 1 in total as well. She was the second highest scorer. And outside those two, uh, the attack, Neve Hegarty, two points, Karen Guthrie, four points, Neve McLaughlin, two points, eight points shared between the rest of the attack. Like, not that I want to be pointing at those three players, but they need a big year to treat them. Yeah, 
to do. And I suppose we talked we talked during during last year that you know I suppose Karen Guthrie and I suppose that the standard she's at. And um, we, by her standards, she she had a, a quiet or a, you know, I don't know what she was. She um, was injuries an issue with her last year, or maybe she carrying a bit of an injury, you know, for for Donegal and for her sake. I hope if she was that it's it's sorted out now because she is a big player and a key player. And as you said, you know, I suppose any team looking at Donegal this year, they're going to look at that. You know, the key marks woman is is Jerry McLaughlin, and if they can try and keep her out of a match, or as you said, keep her down to. You know, low level scorings. Then where's where's Donegal going to get their other scores from? Um, you know, um, they've obviously two other All Star nominations in in the defence. Um, Nicole McLaughlin, who's who's captain again, and Evelyn McGinley, both nominated for All Stars this year or in in 2021. And you know, you'd hope that um, sorry, Neve McLaughlin is the captain, not Nicole. Um, but you'd hope that you know, as you said, that those players will all um, you know. Defensively and the forwards will step up um, and get more scores and not be so dependent on on um, on Gerling. Yeah, when you look at the Donegal defence as well, I'm just looking at the team that played Dublin in the quarter final last year, like Evelyn McGinley, General Goodyear, Nicole McLaughlin, General Goodyear, like Anne Marie Logan, there, Catherine Boyle, Tressa Jenkins, and Amy Boyle Carr. They're the six to start it. Impressive names. I always feel that that Donegal defensive never worked as a unit as much as they can do, and I cannot, still can't get my mind away from the Cork League semi-final last year, where they pretty much handed Cork the gates to come and take them on. Like I'd imagine, Maxi Kern has pinpointed that as a key area that they have to address this year, because I feel myself that Donegal supporters are being for blood this year, and only silverware is going to appease their supporters in regards considering this year's success. Yeah, definitely. So, and I mean, as you mentioned at the start, um, when we started speaking about them first about Maxi, you know, there was a lot of, um, you know, mixed messages about what what was happening up in Donegal. As you said, it was the job was was um, advertised. You know, Maxi's back in place, and you know, I suppose, you know, he's the key factor in 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 this. This is you know the the questions that we've asked over them, apart from the, some of the players, the question we've asked over as units of their defence or be their forwards. You know that has to come back to the management and, and the, the right players were playing in the right positions. So you know I, I would hope that he is he's looked um he's looked at that really closely this year and that he can get um each each area um working together as units and you know and not as we said not be so dependent on on one or two players. Is 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 it fair to say that Johnny Gall have to win something this year? Yeah, I mean, I suppose, I suppose the two teams we're talking about. Like I should be saying that about Galway too, but I'm not based on their current situation. But Donegal, like, how long have they been flirting with it? Yeah, you know, that's what I'm saying. Both teams, both those teams, we spoke over the last um, couple of seasons, saying that, that there should be there should be getting results. But yeah, Donegal are, you know, I suppose, you know, Max is there. It's like a bit of a, a I'm not saying it's his last, you know, last year, but you know, a bit of a last hurrah, maybe for Karen and for Jerry and these players. You know, this is the time now. Um, I know again there's a lot of work being done in underage levels there's good management place in place there's development work going on um, so there is there is players there is um, young players coming on but like I suppose that Maxi has to get the right blend um, together with the with the experience and the youth coming in and you know I, you're right they, they have to get something out this year you know that they're, they haven't they haven't won anything at, at any um, um, national um, level in I don't know many years it's a long long time yeah, like they gave to a point against Cork a few years ago, never quite done it in the championship too, but you just feel, and again, as I say, I should be saying that about Galway, like your defence too, Sarah Lynch and Kate Geraghty had the central positions last year too. Of course, we don't really know what way this Galway selection is going to be. Donegal, Mayo, Cork and Dublin, I think we're both feeling that way in regards to league winners this weekend. Yeah, I think so, Darren. Yeah, it's, it's looking that, I suppose, 
bar a massive um, upset. Um, I suppose the only one that could could throw it a wee bit is, is probably Mead Cork. But um, I just think that maybe Cork might have the, the upper hand in that one, as I said already. So, yeah, apart from that, yeah, that's what we're looking at. Definitely so. Who do we think will be Division 1 League champions? <laughs> that is a good question. <laughs> Uh, like it's very hard. Like, you're you're just really being mean here now. I know. I, I will yeah. answer myself. I'll jump in first, just because I'll be thinking about this. Well, see, it's great. I get time to think about the questions I'm going to ask you, yeah, and then I don't, then I don't tell you the questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're going to love me in Cork because I predicted them in Camogie as well. But you know, I think Cork will want to make a statement in the league, and you know, Shane Renane is hungry. I, would I would I love to see Donny Gall win it? Yes. Uh, would I love to see a Cork Donegal final? Yeah, I could say yes. I don't think Mead will win the league this year. I don't think they need to. Dublin, they'll want to win it. We're pretty much discarded the other teams in the competition. But I just think Cork are hungry. And I think Cork might just have enough to get over the line. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I'm not going to um, argue against that point because I think you're you're probably pretty bang on. Um, but I suppose, as you said, it's just hard to judge uh, what teams are going to be like, you know, and I suppose... It's uh, it's you, the whole point of it is to call it before we see a game, but it's, it's a hard one to know uh, where we're at. And we could be blown away. Mead could go and blow Cork out of the water at the weekend. West Mead could blow in the the the, the Astro. Probably will know after hearing our predictions. <laughs> Astro in the dome. West Mead could just throw blow Mayo. And I mean, as I said, I mean Mayo very dependent. We're dependent on Rachel Cairns this year, and you know, I suppose we don't know what they're like without her in, in the central role, and obviously got her first All Star. So yeah. It's there's there's loads of room for loads of rooms to argue against your point and to argue with it. So um, I let you. I we won't put a bet on this one, Darren. But I let you. I let you take your your uh, your win on that one and say it's a Cork a Cork League League champion to be League champions. Cork is a prediction here as well. They're going to be loving us or hating us down there. Now we will see. We look forward. We'll be back with the third half on Sunday to talk about the Goy Donegal game in particular, and many more as well. Because we're quickly going to look at Division Two before we wrap up the show. And Joe and Eve, we might as well tell them all now. If you want to see Darren and Eve live this Sunday, you know, on the LGFA streaming service, we are going to be in Templeport, Bonboy, or St. Aidan's, the local club for Cavan against Monaghan. Uh, all four games in Division 2 on at 2 o'clock and Armagh against Tyrone in the same section again. The four Ulster teams joined together. Neve, as you mentioned, um, it's hard to... Uh, Armagh will be favourites overall, but they didn't do it last year in the league. Um, Monaghan, transition year two. Cavan, they don't have Ashley and Sheridan. Tyrone, you know, not a good year last year. What are you expecting from that group of four first? Yeah, uh, God, it, it's again, it's a real head-scratcher because it... You know, I suppose um, Armagh and, and Calvin is probably the two teams that have probably the most um, consistency in the sense that they're, you know, the, the, the same amount of players back, as you said, Calvin are missing Ashton Sheridan. But, you know, by all accounts, Armagh seem to um, have a full full bill of health um, when all players are back. Um, as you mentioned, Monaghan's gone through a massive transition at the moment. And, you know, I just counted from the, the, the played Calvin last year in the in those, that championship relegation um, game, which was played in, in July last year. And, you know, just got the goal of the last kick and won it by two points. Eleven players of that starting panel, or eleven players, um, that's not available to Mon in twenty twenty two. So that's a massive, uh, uh, a massive hurdle for for Kieran Kieran's and his backroom team to, you know, to contend with. I suppose and a lot of new players and a lot of asking a lot of new players to, to step up to the mark in in the game in a game that, you know, because Jesus, you don't want to end up in being losing your first match and then in a, in a dog fight and end up in Division Three football because that would be no good for modern football going forward. But 
as you said, it's an all an all Ulster affair. It's hard to see. Tyrone's going to be in the same boat. They have a few um, retirements this week. Neve Woods, most notably, uh, you know, and, and, and give a great story and a great servant to, to Tyrone football over the years, and she'd be a big loss to them. But you know, always the rivalry Tyrone Armagh. You can never never write them off. But yeah, it's probably I would feel Armagh Cavan is is the two top teams there um, on paper and again at the moment. But probably with Armagh that we would have experienced to be um, top that group. Yeah, I think Armel wants to have a good league too because look, at the end of the day, who knows what would have happened if Caroline O'Hanlon was on the field against Mead in the quarterfinal last year, but they'll feel they underachieved. The other group, Kerry Tipperary, it'll be a featured game here as well as Kevin Monaghan. Obviously, myself and Eve are going to be there. We're going to feature that match. Kerry Tipperary, 2 o'clock Fitzgerald Stadium on Sunday. Leach against Clare and Cretchard at 2 o'clock. Well, look, we know who the favourites are in this group, but um, are, they as, are they as clear favourites as we think? And what are we expecting from Tipperary, Leach and Clare? Yeah, um, yeah. Well, you know, it's no secret Kerry should be the favourites. Um, you know, obviously lost lost the Division One final last year, and probably disappointed. Obviously disappointed to lose it, but they were disappointed in that match against Meath. And I mean, taking nothing away from Meath's win, but you know, they they, they just had a really poor they didn't day. Didn't show up. Opposite. Sorry. They didn't show up. No, no, really poor day, and you know, they, they seem to. It's the, you know, the last couple of times in you know, over recent years they've been in been in played in Crow Park, they just haven't. You know, it's it's affected them. Um, obviously, uh, Ashley Desmond, who was their captain, has retired this year. New captain and Anna Galvin, very experienced there. Um, you know, Lorraine Scanlon and Coach Lynch, obviously with with Castle Island Desmond, we're not sure. You know, obviously beaten the in the intermediate semi final and um, club semi finals, we're not sure if they're back for this game or not. Yeah, again, it's carries to. to carries to, to you know carries uh, division to top, um, and it's theirs to throw away. I feel. Yeah, like Kerry Armagh, you'd imagine with the, with the abilities that they have would be a final, but we saw last year that's completely different as well. And, and there are some intriguing matches. Leash and Clare is going to be a very intriguing contest as well. And of course, Tipperary uh, to bounce back after like last 2021 was an honest horribilities for themselves too. Like, you know, with new management in there as well. Peter Creedon, who has great intercounty experience too. Like, that came in Fitzgerald Stadium. And it's great that it's in Killarney as well. Yeah, I was just just going to say that, Darren. Yeah, it's brilliant. Again, another county grounds and and fair play to, to Kerry County Board on, on organising that, and it's great to see that. Um, yeah, Peter Creighton, it's great. He's named Maria Curley, um, very experienced fullback to as captain of the team as well. And, you know, that, that's, I suppose that's a good starting point. Obviously, um, you know, Ashley McCarthy, obviously, as we know, got, got injured there. With mm. you know, Obviously, she wouldn't be back anyway, but she got injured um, West Coast Eagles last week, and she's out for the remainder of the, of the AFLW um, season, but you know you'd hope that she might maybe. I was just going to ask you, Neve, there, like, how does that affect Tipperary now? Because of the wrist injury, you'd be better qualified to answer this than me. Like, you know, she's not going to play in the AFL again this year as well, so she'll obviously stay down there for treatment because it's covered based on her contract. But is there a chance she could come back fresher and fitter for Tipperary? Yeah, well, you'd like to, to, to hope, and it'd be a massive boost for for Tipperary if she if she could get in. You know, it's obviously very unfortunate she's got injured, and she's doing really well um, for West Coast Eagles um, this season. But yeah, you know, she she'll be down there. She, you know, uh, I suppose a wrist injury is is you know uh, for for AFLW, it's it's more contact. It mightn't be as much um, coming into back into the Gaelic season, so it won't be as as, as severe on her, I'd imagine. And you'd feel that she could come back much much stronger and much fresher. Um, for for Tipperary next year, and you'd hope, or sorry, Tipperary, I am um, later in the in the in the season. So yeah, that'd be a massive boost to them. Obviously, they're presumably without Ashley Maloney for another couple of couple of weeks. Um, obviously, she only did her ACL in June, so um, she's still a big loss to them.
She has a loss as well, but an intriguing game for the rest of the Tipperary players against Kerry and Fitzgerald Stadium. I forgot to mention that our man against Tyrone's and Wolfton's on Sunday as well. Um, Neve, I think we penned it down to two contenders. Overall league champions, I'll go Armagh. <laughs> Are you saying you're going to go Armagh? Or, um... I, I'll go Armagh, yeah. Oh, you'll go Armagh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you'd be, you'd be definitely saying um, that they probably have, have been the team to you know, to, to dig out bigger matches and, and have, have stepped up the plate over, over current years. But maybe with with Kerry, the lads are back in the job again for another year and Daryl Long and Darlene Quill. So maybe he's they've learned a lot. So I just, just for something different, I'll throw Kerry into the mix. Oh, there'll be 50 cents going to the table of Kerry and our man meeting the league <laughs> final. Uh, best luck to all the teams playing in the National Football League action this weekend across all four divisions. We'll cover as much as we can. We are focusing in on, we'll have reports in all the Division 1 matches. We'll have also reaction from Galway against Donegal, Kerry against Tipperary, Cavan against Monaghan and Wexford against Kildare. That's our league preview. Uh, bumper show is expected, but Intercounty is back and we talked to you all about it on Sunday night, or sorry, on Monday, I should say. We'll record some tonight we'll talk about it on Monday but I'm Darren Kelly this was Sports Stats Football I'd like to thank my partner in crime one last time Neve Kendlin that's great Darren thank you